last Sunday, we launched our new uh, vision for this year, uh, looking at listen, love, and lead, and how that is going to be a part of what, uh, what, how we walk together uh, this fall and leading into next year. And I, wanted, I want you to make sure you guys understand that this is a very collaborative effort. When we say listen, we don't mean you listen to us as we preach every Sunday and listen to us as we tell you how to follow Jesus. It means we want to listen to you. But in order to listen to you, we need to hear your voice and you need to say something. And so we have set up uh, lifecenter.org slash vision, lifecenter.org slash vision. And if you go there, you can share uh, your heart. You can share different ways that you see uh, God moving, you see the enemy moving, you see challenges that we should face as a congregation or, uh, you know, in our culture around us. You can see that and you can, you can share that. And so we need to hear your voice and we need to hear Life Center Cornwall's voice in there. You can't just go, oh, I'm sure Orleans has lots of people there that are going to respond, so that's fine. We need to hear from you here what's going on what you see, what you feel, what your experiences in Life Center are. We need to know if you feel like there's been issues that you've had to deal with that, that you want leadership to know about. We need to hear all of it so we can expose it, bring it to light, and let God work on it. So it's very collaborative what we're doing. If you just sit in the pew and stay silent about it, then it's not going to work very well. We're not going to be able to listen. So uh, please... Take the time. It doesn't take a lot, but each month or it, it we'll roll out a little bit more as far as how we need to hear from you or how we're asking you to speak to us. Different ways that we think we need to be more responsible in uh, how we listen to you. So please do so. Go to lifecenter.org slash vision and uh, be a part of the conversation. Because listening is of utmost important. It's very important. And, and we, uh, we need to be paying attention to that. The other day, Ingrid said to me sternly, she's like, you never listen to what I say. And I responded to her, that's an awfully strange way to start a conversation. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I'm here all week. Listening is of utmost importance. Can we hear God? Can we hear each other? Truly hear God and truly hear each other. Because we want to be able to do both. And so, like I said, there's a site for you to go to, but also there's a moment for us to pause, stop, and let silence be there so that God can speak to us. We want to be able to do that. Where am I here? I just went through a whole bunch of notes without um, talking about it. So, we'd also, like I said, we want to be able to grow together as we do this. And each and every one of us, as followers of Jesus, we can operate in the spiritual gifts that we've been given. Uh, each one of you, if you're a follower of Jesus here today, if you've accepted Jesus into your heart and said, God, I want to follow you, God has gifted you with a spiritual gift for this community. Now, last week, Pastor Ingrid mentioned it at the end of the service, and if we just have a little bit of a Cornwall family moment here, um, we have a lot of very, very shy people or we have a lot of people here that are not necessarily confident on the gifts that God's given them. So I'm not here to judge you on which one you were, shy or not confident on the gifts that God's given you. 
but I highly encourage you to seek the gifts that God has given you because they're very important for us to be a healthy congregation because we can't be one-sided. It'd be like going to the gym and only working out one bicep and walking around and you're like, you know, got one arm and it's really big and the rest of you is small and scrawny. That's not going to work really well. It can't work very well. And I'm telling you right now, I promise you, I guarantee that not all of you here have the gift of serving. Not all of you here are like, oh, no, I just like to serve. Just keep me in the background. Don't, put, don't, don't let me be in front of anybody or have any position where I have to, like, share or talk or do anything. I guarantee you that I'm not the only one that has a gift to be able to not necessarily preach or teach, but give leadership to certain moments. You have gifts, and they're absolutely needed we'll actually be anemic as a church if we don't have all the gifts evident and working in our community. I, cannot, I can talk about one because I don't see him here today, so it's easy to pick on him. But uh, Andrew Craig, some of you guys know Andrew Craig. He has the gift of evangelism. If you, if you know him at all, you know that he has that gift because if you aren't saved, He's, he's, asked, he's tried to figure out a way to get you saved, and you are saved. He's tried to confirm that you were actually saved, right? Because he just wants people to know Jesus desperately. And within three questions, he's got you talking about Jesus because he can't help it. That's a gift that God's given him to be able to talk about Jesus and lead people to know Jesus. And that's a beautiful gift for our congregation. And so we all need to find what our gifts are. And there are many there's many gifts. It could be things like service, but it could be healing. It could be giving, mercy, prophesying, teaching, words of knowledge or wisdom. It could be tongues and interpretation. It could be evangelizing. It could be administration. It could be pastoral caring or leading. And so I'd love for us all to take time to listen to the Holy Spirit because he wants to lead us he wants to gift us, and he wants to see the gifts that he's given to us be active in the church. So if you need to, please go to the site, uh, thelifecenter.org slash vision. There's a place there where you can do a spiritual gifts test if you're not sure. And if you uh, want to, at the end of the service, we're going to make time for you to come up to the front and receive prayer to receive a spiritual gift if you don't think you have one. Because we're going to walk with you through that. Okay? All right, and so for us as pastors, if how we lead is missing the listening and the loving portion, it's going to lead to leaving. It's going to lead to people wanting to leave the church rather than stay in the church because they go, wow, like he definitely wants to try and lead us, but he never listens to us and he doesn't love us. And so we want to correct that. Not necessarily that it's happened a lot in Life Center, but we want to make sure that as the body of Christ, we're doing anything and everything possible to make sure that we listen and love and then lead. It's a trend in churches that needs to stop. And by God's grace and humbly working together, I think we can do that. And one thing that, each re that requires of each of us is this. It's to live well through this cultural moment. And what we need to do that is resiliency. Because if we're going to walk this out together, if we're going to follow Jesus together in the cultural moment that we are in, 
it's going to take resiliency. And resiliency is this. It is the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties. It's toughness. It is the ability of an object to spring back into shape. And as followers of Jesus, that's what we want to be. We want to be followers of Jesus who, when faced with difficult moments, when we are displaced, when we are shoved into corners or when we are bent or twisted or when we are accused of things or when we're going through troubles and struggles and trials, we have the resiliency of Christ in us to recover or better yet to keep our form in him. When we have trouble seeing him in the mix of things, there's a trust that we have that he is with us and he will hold us true to himself. That looking like Jesus doesn't shift with personal messes or cultural stress. It doesn't shift with family messes or spiritual stresses in our lives. We hold on to the truth that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Meaning that in his likeness, there is a resiliency that sustains us as image bearers of Christ as image bearers of a quality that's beyond our own capacity. You don't look like Jesus because you are as good as him. You look like him because you allow him to lead you and guide you and empower you for everything that you are incapable of doing in your own strength. So for over the next five weeks, we want to discuss what the, the essential factors to being a resilient follower of Jesus is. And by resilient, again, it's not being hard and cynical, but being strong and anchored and having the form of him. And these five characters will be the focal points for us this year. Faith for Exiles is a, is a book that was written by Dave Kinneman and uh, Mark Matlock. And it was a book that they wrote that talked about uh, what looks like to be resilient, which is where we get some of these things. And it's data-driven, where they, they went around looking for resilient Christians, resilient disciples. And then they looked at what is it that makes them resilient versus other people who claim to have faith. And so it's driven by data, but they're not telling us what they think it looks like to be resilient. Rather, they are looking at Christians who are resilient and then saying, these are the markers that are consistent with them. They're not consistent in other people's lives who claim to know Christ or follow Christ or have some form of relationship with him. Resilient disciples are those who love Jesus. They trust scripture. They have meaningful relationships. They engage their purpose speaking of your spiritual gifts, and they live counter-cultural. They have a mission to live in a way that's different than the culture around us. Now, you may say those look straightforward. Those are all things that we try to do. But as we work through each one of those, it's our prayer that we take a listening posture and allow God to see if there's any areas that we have yet to fully submit to him. We may think, yeah, of course, I love Jesus. Yeah, sure, when I look at Scripture, I trust it. Trusting Scripture is a tricky one. When God says he is our provider, 
and we're in need, and then we go try to find other ways to provide for that need, it means that we don't actually trust that Scripture says God is our provider. And so there's a deeper level of this what we want to look at. Do I know what Scripture is and trust it? Because there's a depth to it that can help us live the resilient lives that God has for us. And as we do so, I want us to think through this, not only for ourselves, but for others, the lives of others. I want us to think through what it means for people of different economic status, generations yet to come that are here, different ethnicities. What does it look like to be a resilient follower of Jesus and for us to make room for what that looks like? And what will be in this all? Well, Jesus said that the greatest commandment are rooted in love. So in all of this, we need to be rooted in love. He said in Mark 12, 30 to 31, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. All areas of who you are are to love God. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There are no commandments greater than these. Our resiliency will be rooted in love. Now, Love involves feelings and emotions and thoughts, but in time, love must also become directional. And what do I mean by that? For instance, if someone says that they love you, they absolutely love you, but their life never changes direction, will often struggle to trust the words that they are saying are true. If somebody says, man, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you to the moon and back, but then their actions don't back up that love, that when you need them or you think that they would be there to support you, they're not there, then then you don't trust those words, do you? They may feel like they love you to the moon and back, but that feeling doesn't translate into direction. The direction of their life doesn't change in order to support those, that statement. Love must become directional. You change what you do and who you are in order to accommodate loving someone. Don't you? So when we look at Jesus, though, we can see that he loves us. We can look at his life. We can look at his behavior. And it always showed love. Because it always went in our direction. Every time he said something or did something, it turned and shifted to show us that he loved us. It's often us that have difficulty matching our actions with our beliefs. And you may be here today and you don't feel like you can trust Jesus. Maybe things have happened and it's caused you not to want to trust him. And often when we mean that we can't trust him, it means that we're looking for safety. We're looking to be safe, and something wasn't safe for us. And that safety is probably masking something a little bit deeper. A more authentic reality than safety would probably mean something like this. When we mean safe, we mean we want control. I'm safe when I know the outcome. I can step into what you're asking of me, God, when I know that what you're asking me to do is not going to result in any harm or any inconvenience for me. I want to see the guaranteed outcome of what you're asking me to do. But Jesus never does that, does he? 
He doesn't say to us, hey, listen, look at this. I want you to step in. I want you to act. I want you to lead in this way. I want you to volunteer at the church or go out on mobile mission. I want you to speak to your coworker at work about Christ. I want you to do these things. But the outcome of that scenario is unknown. It's not safe at all. It feels risky. And here's the thing. I'd ask us to trust Jesus. For when we're talking about safeness and Jesus... C.S. Lewis wrote it in his Narnia series. He said this, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. And he's the king. Sometimes when we walk with Jesus, it doesn't feel safe because it pushes us beyond our boundaries, pushes us beyond our limits. And why does he do that? Because to push us past our limits means that we have to rely on him. We have to go beyond what we're capable of doing to allow him to be our source. We trust that he is good even as we walk through a world that isn't safe. The directional life of loving God and loving others for us always begins, though, with an invitation. It's an invitation to follow him, just like he did for Peter. If you know the story of Peter or heard about the disciple Peter or any of the disciples, You hear that Jesus always came to them first and said something similar to this. Come, follow me. Let's look at how Peter and some of them were were called. In Mark 1, we see this. Passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, who we know mostly as Peter, and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and, his, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Come and follow me. Simple as that. An invitation to a relationship with God, an invitation to a loving relationship with God that becomes directional. And Peter, as he learned what following Jesus looked like, would have to learn that deeper sense of love because he definitely had the thoughts and feelings and emotions side of love. If you know who Peter is, if you've read any of the Gospels at all, you know that Peter was a think. Uh, was an act first, think second leader, wasn't he? He was always going around and, and like, let's just dive in and do this. He's always saying something, and then Jesus would have to correct him and say, no, no, Peter, you, no, it's, that's not how it is. He was always leading with those emotions, wasn't he? Today we'd say he was impulsive, right? He was, he'd always like, he was always leading off of his impulses. But like, like Peter... All of us will go through soul-rattling testing that will awaken us to something deeper. And Jesus warned Peter of that, that he, he could say all he wanted, I love you, Jesus, let's go do this, let's go, let's go, take it on right now. He always wanted to do that. And yet, Jesus warned him and said, listen, like, you, you think you love me, but you're going to be tested in what it looks like to really love me. In Luke 22, 31 to 34, we read this. Simon, Simon, again, that's, an, that's another name for 
Peter, his original name. Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said, Lord, I am ready to go to prison with you and even die with you. Again, see, he's just ready right there. He's ready. I'm going for it, God. Whatever you need, I'm in there. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Peter had all the bravado in the world to go out there and, and live for God, live for Jesus. But that night, he would deny even knowing Jesus three times to people. Because all the emotions that we can well up for God sometimes aren't enough. Sometimes they fall short in us being able to follow through. We need something deeper. And I want you to know, whether by permission or just by spiritual attack, Satan will try and sift us. Satan will try and test your faith. Are you really in it? Are you in it with the depth of who you are? Is it just emotional? Is it just a passing phase for you? He will want to test you. Is it like sand that you can't really hold on to? Or will your faith be solid? And just like Peter, we may be emotionally brave and declare that we're ready to go for it. We're ready to remain true no matter what. We'll go to the prison. We'll go to the grave. We'll go to rehab. We'll go to life groups even. You know, we'll, we'll do whatever it takes to show that we're followers of Jesus. And Jesus, and just like Peter, like for Peter, Jesus intercedes for us that we may be resilient, that we may hold true to him. And when we have our moments, because we will, and we do, Jesus wants to be there for us. John 21, 17 to 9, and 19, we read this. A third time, he asked him, Jesus asking of Peter. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked him the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. And Jesus said, or Jesus told him, follow me. Peter was humbled from thinking that he could follow Jesus in a shallow way. There was a depth of reliance on Jesus that Peter didn't feel he needed. He could do it himself. He had all the will and the strength he thought to do this on his own. And yet we can't. Moreover, the trials that we face, they're actually opportunities from God, or not from God always, but that God uses to refine us further as resilient disciples. When the enemy will want to try and trip you up, it's also an opportunity that God uses to refine you, to expose in you areas of weakness that you need to submit to him. That is why Peter, in his New Testament letter, wrote for those that would follow right after him and for us, what we should expect as we live out a resilient faith. And in 1 Peter, 
1, 6 to 7, it says this. So be truly glad there's a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. There's joy ahead, so be glad. You're going to face trials. Doesn't sound all that positive, does it? But these trials will show that your faith is genuine. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. When trials come and you don't let them take you out, when instead of taking you out, they turn you to Jesus, they show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Stand strong. Be glad. You're going to face trials. But these trials will show that your faith is genuine. So prepare your minds for actions, he says a few verses later. Prepare your mind for action and exercise self-control. Be directional in your love. It's not emotional. It's not just feeling. Self-control says, I feel one way, but I know I need to go another I feel like leaving my small group. I feel like quitting mobile mission. I feel like not serving or, or telling people about Jesus that live around me. I feel like doing those things, but I need to go in a different direction. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. If you were with us a couple weeks ago, do you remember how I talked about we don't we don't celebrate all the signs and wonders that God does. But what do we do? We put our hope in the precious salvation that will come to us when Christ is revealed. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. Don't go back to old ways of doing things in order to get the solutions that you need. You didn't know any better then. But now, you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who, cho who chose you is holy. What does it mean, must be holy? You must be set apart. You must be directed to Jesus and directed by Jesus. Your set-apartness leads you to holiness, but the holiness is his. Because he's the one leading and guiding you. Our obedience as we listen to direction from God's word and spirit will result in resiliency. And this resiliency comes through learning, uh, leaning on him as we go through the fire. It's so interesting that he, that he points out not to slip back into our own ways. It may not be a complete relapse. You may have come from some pretty harsh scenarios. You may have come from a bad, bad life. You may have seen rough things and done things that you wish you never did. And it doesn't mean you're going to slip back into those ways. But maybe it's those ways of thinking. 
Maybe there's a little bit of how you thought in the, at that time that slips back into your ways. You could stay in the church and look the same to everybody else, but inwardly your mind slips because it's listened to an invitation to go somewhere else. It's listened to another voice say, come, follow me. When Jesus gives us an invitation to follow him and direct our life by him, we've got to know there's other voices that are calling out to us as well. Maybe pride has an invitation for you, saying, come, follow me. You can do this on your own. What he's talking about is for those younger Christians that, that haven't been there, haven't done that. You don't need to listen to this part. Maybe you have judgment as an invitation, saying, follow me. You hear it saying, they're missing what it really means to love God. Maybe there's self-reliance calling and saying, we can, we can earn enough and do this on our own. We can, we'll, we'll give back later, but we can do this on our own. We're, we're set. There's voices out there in our culture. There's voices that we hear that are inviting us to come and follow. This week, maybe try and pay attention to the voices that you hear. The voices and the invitations that are coming your way because they always make promises to you. Invitations to follow might not contain the words, follow me, but they always contain two elements, a direction and a promise. They'll say, do this, act like this, and you will get, right? It's every commercial out there. Buy our product and you will get this result. Our detergent will make your clothes whiter and smell fresher than any other one. Buy our car and you will know what it's truly like to drive on the road. Do this and I promise you this. And aren't most of them empty promises? Never quite fulfilled the way they say it will be. Only in Jesus do we find someone who promises in his promises are yes and amen. His promises are exactly what he says they will be. Funny thing is, is he even gives us the fine print up front. He tells us right there, listen, you're going to face trials. You're going to go through it. But the glory and the, the, the crown that you're going to receive because you go through it now is going to be amazing. And if you feel lost in this all, Marvin Williams said this once. He said, when we experience deep waters and dark nights, trials and things that feel like they're beyond us, when we can't see Jesus in it all, Jesus sees us. When we can't come to Jesus, Jesus comes to us. When we can't speak to Jesus, Jesus speaks to us. He says, take courage. Don't be afraid. I am here. Every trial, every challenge that we'll face, every opportunity that comes before us to refine us and say, are you resilient? Are you being directed by Jesus? Every moment, he's right there with us saying, you can do this. I'm with you. I know what it's like to go through deep, dark, nights, waters that f make you feel like you're going to drown. 
from love, Jesus invites us to trust and not be afraid. In life, accepting an invitation to follow always becomes directional. And today, if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus, hear his invitation today. Come and follow him. Know that he loves you and he cares for you and he knows the brokenness of your heart and he wants to heal it. And what you need to do is come to him. The directional side is saying, yes, God, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to submit to you because my brokenness is more than I can handle. And for us, like with Peter, Jesus calls, follow me. And when our moments of testing come, he is with us. And the times that we need to be restored, he heals those wounds and reaffirms his call. Because you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. And what's more, you are his holy priests, his resilient disciples. And if you pause and you listen, you'll hear him every step of the way, leading you, guiding you through still waters and stormy waters. He will be there for you. Again, based on their research, uh, they found three ways that resilient disciples accept the invitation of Jesus. The first one is this. They embrace discipleship as a lifelong adventure. That their worship is their direction. Worshiping God with their life is the direction they go in. They found that 90% of resilient disciples chose this. Those who are just habitual churchgoers, only 49% of them would claim that that is true of their life. And of those who once followed Christ but now are, are less active in their faith or maybe follow other things, only 21% said that had any meaning for them. Embracing discipleship as a lifelong adventure. The second one, trust Jesus to speak to them in a way that is relevant to their life. Again, 89% of resilient disciples said that was true of their life, that they trust Jesus to speak to them. Only 41% of habitual churchgoers said that was true. And 25% of those who once followed Christ but now follow other things, said that is true. And as we go through these, I want you just to to listen to the Holy Spirit talk to you about where you may be. Do you embrace discipleship as a lifelong adventure? That your worship is the direction of your life? Do you trust Jesus to speak to you in a way that is relevant for your life? Is his voice one that you actively are listening to, to to lead you and guide you? The third one, following Jesus brings them deep joy 
in satisfaction. Resilient disciples accept the invitation of Jesus and then following him brings them deep joy and satisfaction. Resilient disciples said that was true 89% of the time or 89% of resilient disciples said that. 48% of habitual church goers said that following Jesus brings them joy. And 25% of those who had followed him at one point said it brings them deep joy and satisfaction. I gave you the statistics just for us to sit and meditate in that. And where do I sit? I contemplate them as well because I don't want to be a church goer. I'm glad for everybody who comes to church. Don't get me wrong. You can come here all the time, anytime. And there's no judgment that way. But what we're called to do is to lead resilient disciples. And I'm, I want to do my due diligence to tell you what a resilient disciple looks like, to challenge us to keep walking forward in that. Do you embrace discipleship as a lifelong adventure? Do you trust Jesus to speak to you? And does it bring you deep joy and satisfaction to follow him? If that's not you this morning, if one of those three things you're like, man, I'm just, it's, that's tough. I can't remember the last time I felt joy. I can't remember the last time Jesus spoke to me in a meaningful way that allowed me to, um, to follow him in my everyday life. And I haven't made this a meaningful thing. Then we want to do something uh, that some of you guys remember. We call those uh, altar calls. And it's just a moment for you to step into being resilient with Jesus. And so what we're going to do, uh, I just have um, Fomka up here. She's just going to play the piano. And what we're going to do is we're going to turn the, the front of the, uh, the room here into a moment where if you feel challenged by today's message in being a resilient disciple, to just, just to come forward. And we'll pray with you and we'll pray for you that you hear the voice of God clearly, that you have, that God returns a joy to you in following him and that you embrace it as a lifelong adventure, a worship of your life. And we'll also use this as a moment that if you want to come forward because you just want to be prayed for to receive a spiritual gift, then we invite you forward at this time as well. Just to come forward and we'll pray for you that God would gift you with a spiritual gift that you can use in this body and in this community at large to do what God has asked us to do as his followers. And there's no shame in coming forward for anything. I know we haven't done an altar call like this. We always open the front up to pray afterwards. But coming forward in this moment is just a, is an act of us saying, we want more of Jesus. There's no judgment because we're all family here and we're all 
trying to go in the same direction. So let's pray. And then I'm going to open the front that if you want to come to the front for to be prayed for for a spiritual gift, if you want to come to the front because you want to be more of a resilient disciple, we'll be here to pray for you. God, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you say to us today, come and follow me. We thank you that just like Peter and his, his emotional following of you and how he was tested and brought to the point that he knew that it needed to be deeper, that there was a directional way and a submission in his life that was needed in order to truly follow you. God, we just pray that we would be resilient disciples in that way, that we would hear your invitation to follow you our entire lives on this adventure of living for you. That we would stop and listen and be quiet enough to hear your voice directing us. And that your presence in us, your presence leading us, would be a sustaining joy that carries us even through dark times. That we can still say the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Nothing else is my strength. I don't get my strength from anywhere else in this world. The joy of the Lord is my strength. If you're here this morning and you need to respond to what God is speaking to you, not what I'm speaking to you, what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, I invite you to come to the front. Join us at the front this morning. As we close this portion of it, we just want to remind you of, of what's going on this week. We have Mobile Mission Wednesday for those that are coming out. Pray for it. Be there if you're a part of the team. Youth, we have it on this Friday. So make sure if you're youth in the city or youth in the area, you're invited to come here Friday night, 7 to 9. We'll have our own youth service for you. And uh, we just ask you to go in God's grace today. and Just respect the front as people uh, just spend time with God. Uh, but we, uh, we bless you today as we end our service. Yeah, we just close this in your name, Jesus. Amen.